Hello and welcome to It's All in Your Head, a mental health podcast. My name is Eli Henry. I'm your host. Before we get started today, as usual, I want to remind you that if you or someone you love is going through a tough time, finding it hard to carry on, you can always call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. That's 1-800-273-8255. This week is National Suicide Prevention Week, or maybe it was last week. I'm not entirely sure, but I know that um, it came up, uh, uh, at least on my Facebook feed, last week. I shared some stuff on the It's All in Your Head Facebook page about signs uh, to look out for uh, in someone who uh, might be suicidal, and also there's a video I was very fortunate to have been a part of with the website The Mighty um, about depression, uh, produced by Wentworth Miller. Uh, from Prison Break and, and, and all that. Uh, so, so check that out if you're interested. Um, heavy stuff, I know, but uh, important. Today on the show, we have uh, my good friend Morgan Evans. Morgan is one of the smartest, funniest people I know. He is a writer, a director, a uh, performer, and he, he's just incredibly talented and uh, um, really, really interesting guy. And he had a very interesting experience happen with him recently, uh, and and we get into that. But it, for those of you curious about, you know, maybe getting into the nitty gritty of the mental health care system in the states and what some of your options are out here, uh, this is a good episode. And, and luckily, we do it with a fairly good sense of humor. You know, he's one of the funniest guys I know, so so we keep it pretty light uh, uh, um, and. Uh, and funny. So, uh, I mean, I don't want to say too much because I feel like the episode speaks for itself. Um, also, you know, I'm just, I, I'm, I'm, I've been really bad about this lately. I just uh, am recording this intro of the day I'm releasing it, which is usually not how I do it. Uh, I've been going through uh, a recent bout of depression myself, which, you know, is annoying and is not pleasant, but it's just kind of how it works, you know, it just, uh, everyone's, you can't really control when these things happen, they just kind of come up, and it makes it hard to do things, so I'm just trying to keep on top of it, get this episode out there, and you know, this stuff really is helpful for me, I hope it's helpful for you, because uh, listening to these and recording these has always really helped me deal with my stuff, uh, which is why I do it, you know, completely selfishly. Anyway, uh, without further ado, I want you to listen to this episode, I'm really happy with it. Uh, it's All in Your Head with Morgan Evans. You're on? We're on. Thank oh, you for that's, being here. That's great. Did you? I said, are you on? Am I on? <laughs> yeah. Like, am I, like, feeling on today? Are you being recorded? Yeah, man. Am I? Yeah. Have you so ever then we're on? on. So Morgan is insane. Uh, <laughs> welcome. <laughs> uh, that's that's, that's kind of like my brother d- does jokes like that all the time. Like, uh, yesterday I was 
telling him, I was like, my roommate walked in while we were on the phone. I was like, oh, yeah, my roommate just got here. By the way, he's got the same birthday as you. He's like, he has the same birthday as me. I was like, yeah. He goes, does he know that? I was like, yeah. He goes, what's that day? I was like, May 31st. He's like, that's my birthday. I'm like, okay, <laughs> man, I don't have time for this. I love it. Uh, how are you today? I'm doing good today. Today's good? Yeah, today's good. Yeah. Good. Uh, very, uh, well, you know, yeah. So I got some family drama going on separate from you know whatever this is about uh-huh. and uh and that's all right that's fine i always like that if you ask somebody with mental health issues how are you today and yeah. pause long enough after their initial response to let them keep talking they'll keep going oh yeah, yeah it's like uh, how are you today great 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 fine you caught me yeah good <laughs> yeah. good i mean well well you know i mean you know it's been fine it's yeah, just like, sure yeah it's just you ever have one of those i'm bad you know it just kind of just all builds up right yeah i'm pretty good stop grilling me i'm yeah. fine what it's fine Sir, what do you want to eat? You know, <laughs> oh, exactly. yeah, yeah. P- potatoes. J- yeah. Just potatoes. Just potatoes, please. Sad, wet potatoes. <laughs> uh, so uh, it's a mental health podcast, as yeah. you know, so the bluntness of this question is not going to be surprising to you. What do you have? Um, you know, jury's out a little, uh, <laughs> but, you know, uh, it, sporadic bouts of intense to serious depression. Um mixed with um, symptoms that were, are not unlike ADHD, um, compounded by... Um, anxiety? You have any- anxiety, generalized anxiety that permeates everything I do, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. an intense and crippling fear of death, um, and and many, many, many... Um, horrible relationships and and behavioral patterns. <laughs> it continues to amaze me that you're not Jewish, um, <laughs> given the way you look, sound, and behave. Yeah, well, uh, my dad was adopted, and we don't know where he came from. So. I think it was Israel. Yeah. Uh, oh, sorry, Brooklyn. <laughs> um, now, you were also briefly diagnosed and, and you're not sure if it's accurate with borderline personality disorder correct yeah and i'll tell you why i don't necessarily well, first, first tell us what that is and then you can tell us why um well i'm not you know uh i'm not really great at, at, at the dsm you know uh, labeling what it is exactly DSM. the di- the dsm4 i guess they're on five now my therapist once equated it to the joy of cooking of mental health. <laughs> Which borderline personality or just diagnosis? No, the DSM book that where all oh, the diagnoses that what, right, right, are. Okay, that's okay. you know, in the seventies it said home, you know, homosexuality was. Oh yeah, was so one, it's not is exactly an aberration up to the exactly. I mean, it, uh, but your therapist that doesn't like it. You said right. Yes. So your therapist doesn't think you have borderline. No. Mm-mm. It was another doctor that. It was a doctor at a hospital. Okay, so, so that's where it was that at was a low likely. point in my life, mm. not too long ago, and it also, and we'll get into it, I'm we sure. We will, yeah. Uh, but the the reason I don't necessarily agree with that diagnosis is because I twice in my life have been placed on medication that I'm not suicidal. Mm-hmm. I, if anything, I'm very afraid of death. Like right. across the board, don't want to die. That no is, matter how it happens. No matter how it happens. And for the most part, most of my problems come from a fear of death, I think. Okay. All right. Um, now, two times in my life, I've been placed on medications. And both times, once when I was 16 and once about a year ago, next month it'll have been a year, um, both times I was placed on medication, I made a suicide attempt. Huh. 
uh, stop taking the medication. What, what were those I'm meds? fine. SSRIs. Uh, the first right. time I was 16, I was placed on, um, and this is in Arizona. Uh, I was in high school. I was just sort of uh, I, like going through puberty, sad about girls, you know, just growing up in a shitty small town, feeling like no one understood me and and I was lonely and in love with people who didn't love me back. And, mm-hmm. you know, you start to see a therapist, which is great. And then your therapist sometimes send you, I'm not, I'm not, You're not bashing. I'm not things. bashing medicine. No, no, no. But um, it's all there. It's all circumstantial. Exactly. Yeah. I'm not a Scientologist. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, I, uh, then they send you a psychiatrist sometimes. And, and I was almost after my first session placed on, on like six different drugs. Really? Yeah. Uh, uh, Ritalin, uh, lithium, and... Um, so they thought you had bipolar disorder. Yeah. Li- lithium is... Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then, like, Wellbutrin. Well, Z- well, Wellbutrin I'm on as well. Yeah. And, and like, uh, and then Xanax. So th- that's one of those things that I think is uh, an underlying, un- underlying fear a lot of people have, uh, and I certainly had when I first started seeing a doctor, was medication. You know, mm-hmm. I don't want to go on meds. I don't want to go on meds. And by all means, like most people, well, not, I don't want to say most people, but some people, they should not go on meds. Mm-hmm. Um, and even the people that should, it, it does take a trial and error period. Not everyone's as lucky as I am. I was put on Wellbutrin um, after a certain amount of time when I was reluctant, but I, you know, my therapist and I were seeing I couldn't come out of the phase. Yeah. I was put on Wellbutrin. It worked really well for me. And now I'm on Lexapro as well, and that's working really well for me so sure. far. But there are people where, you know, like in your circumstance, it takes uh, – it doesn't go well, and, and it can cause those paradoxical effects. Well, yeah, because I was on this, this uh, about last year. Um, I was placed on Lexapro and a low dose. I was on 10 milligrams or something. And uh, no changes for about a month. And then at the end of the month, um, I mean, I was going through a really bad breakup too, which is kind of why I, I went to go put myself on medicine, which is not necessarily yeah. the best reason to do it. But I was sort of like, I mean, were you seeing a therapist at the time? I was. Yeah. But I was like, I'm in such a deep funk that I don't know what to do. Wh- which is, you know, a fine time to, to take medication for let's sure. Say, because yeah. you know, when you're in such a, that, that's, I've often said on the show that that's what medication generally is for. Medication without therapy is kind of pointless in my yeah. mind. Mm-hmm, exactly. But if you're taking medication with a therapist, it's, uh, it, it's a good thing because it what basically it helps level you out mm-hmm. so that therapy can be effective. That having been said, again, it's 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 personal, and obviously you're one of those cases where it just didn't. Well, and out. also I I was placed on it before I moved from New York and then moved to Los Angeles. Right, so it's in a bit of a weird transition. Exactly, period. and then so about a month in here, I did you have a therapist out here? No, time? I didn't roll right, right. into one. Um, and so uh, then you had all these con- no one to monitor the response yeah exactly and and forever in new york i was seeing a fantastic therapist who was like very freudian i would lay down on the couch and like you know not face him at all half of our sessions were discussing what therapy means he would diagnose you cocaine he wouldn't yeah yeah, he wouldn't yeah he wouldn't even talk basically which is perfect it was it was me talking much like you were saying at the beginning of this podcast where you just let someone go and you learn more about yourself than you ever thought you sure 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 um, and then, and then I couldn't afford him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so then I ended up seeing a string of shitty therapists in New York. Well, it's good that you like, you know, 
shopped around. Oh, yeah, for sure. Least, yeah, it know. took me like, you know, eight months to find a good therapist I can't in think New York. of like a worse thing than locking yourself in with a therapist. Oh, yeah. it's. I mean, you should treat it like... What uh, were you th- we haven't gotten into this with anybody really, yeah. but what, what were your... What was... What do you as a shitty therapist? Oh, God. Someone who gives you like advice. Um, <laughs> behavioral therapist. So you don't cognitive like, behavioral see, I therapist. Actually, I, I see a cognitive behavioral uh-huh. therapist and I love it. Yeah. I think that's actually one of the best kinds of It wouldn't of work for me. I don't why, think. why do you say that? Because I think I... I, I Was it maybe that you didn't like the person or you just don't like the method? I don't like the method, I don't think. Uh, I, For me, I think that I have a tendency if they tell me to do something or give me some sort of constructive advice or, or, you know, it becomes a dialogue that I am therefore then more likely to say, blame them uh, if something doesn't work. Right. And uh, do you think that that might be your problem? (laughs) Yeah, no, of course. No, of course, of course it is. But that, that, you know, that's why I think you have to find a therapist that tailors to like, I, you know, I'm very, I'm the type of person, if I go to a therapist and I tell a joke and they laugh, that's all I'm doing in that therapy session until the end of time is trying to make them laugh. That's I, interesting to me. I mean, you know, I've got, cause I, I really enjoy cognitive behavioral therapy. My, my therapist doesn't, he doesn't assign homework. Like a lot of cognitive yeah, behavioral therapists right, worksheets do. And stuff. He, he, cause I asked him about that actually recently and he was like, I don't know. I just, if I thought it helped, I would do it, but I think it's just extra shit for people to do. And I, mm-hmm. and what I like about him is that it, 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 cause cognitive behavioral therapy and what it's supposed to do is train you to do it yourself. Right. It's less them giving advice and more training you to give yourself advice right. by recognizing problems. That's why I think it, it, it can be beneficial. But I mean, if that's what you feel like you get out of more Freudian talk therapy, then end of the day, whatever works. But, yeah. uh, um, it's interesting to hear that opposing point of view because i'm a big fan of cbt uh, yeah i don't really like to have a relationship with my therapist and i feel like a cbt actually kind of fosters that Interesting. Um, why, why do you think that is uh i think it because it's they're more inclined to respond it's it's more conversational it's definitely in my experience at least they generally offer up their opinions about situations well yeah i mean my therapist yeah. does but i've noticed with him that uh whenever i've asked him more personal questions mm-hmm. he deflects sure and i mean i'll force him no, to answer yeah. i'll force him to answer sometimes but it's still a dialogue is the thing right but once i'm like i mean have you ever done that he's like listen you got this you know isn't what I mean? about like, me yeah, yeah exactly yeah. i mean although there are like when it comes to mental health stuff he'll answer like yeah i'm on this medication or whatever right. but if it's something like uh how old are your kids or whatever the hell <laughs> he's like look the point is well yeah see my which it, is great my freudian therapist would be like why do you want to know that and then for an hour we would talk about why you know how he's my father figure and how i you know did something and then, then you get into some solid freud shit exactly on multiple occasions i've i've been out doing something and and then think in the back of my head mm, i wonder what my therapist would think of that Fair a- enough. and and that's not great you know and no, i mean no, you have to go talk bad. about it though. i don't think that's bad but you have to talk about it yeah i mean one thing i think is funny is like <laughs> this this is something i find interesting is, is almost this like couch chair you know armchair therapist yeah sure like casual th- like you know how i think we all uh, i had a guest on that talked about this but we all it's so easy now to just diagnose someone in your brain like mm-hmm. oh they've got this probably but i i know a guy i don't want to name names but i know a guy who uh mm-hmm. uh you know a friend of mine a friend of ours was talking to us about a dream he had and he told me and i was like look i mean i'm not an expert but it sounds like it was basically like this isn't the dream I'll use a dream I had once. But he, it was basically like the dream was something like, oh, I saw a plane crash and an atom bomb went off. Yeah. And my therapist was like, Jesus, sounds like you're under stress. <laughs> like, that sounds like some big anxiety is going. And I'm like, yeah, yeah seriously. 
Uh, and so, I, you know, that's what I said to my friend who had a dream similarly. I was like, you know, it just sounds like you're really stressed out, man. Like, think about your life. You got a bunch of stressful things going on. But we told that to another friend of ours who is like studying psychology. He was like, oh, it's, uh, it's about you want to have sex with your mom. It yeah. all comes back to that stuff. And I was just like, that's not fucking helpful. That's yeah. when I get into those things where, like, uh, that's where I get into worrisome stuff with Freudian stuff. Like, if it's, if it's, because, yeah, okay, sure, maybe everything comes down to wanting to have sex with your mother, hypothetically, mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah. But that extrapolation, like, in terms of a therapeutic sense, in terms of helping you, mm-hmm. if there's a guy who's just obviously got a lot of anxiety going on because maybe his schedule's really screwed up and he's taken on too much and whatever, whatever, and he has a dream where an atom bomb goes off. Telling him what's more helpful, being like, hey, man, it well, sounds like you're stressed or, you know, it comes from a deep-seated longing to have sex with your mother. Well, I don't think now you're going to be like, oh, my yeah, God, I, want, I don't want to fuck my mom. But I, yeah, but that seems like a misinterpretation of that dream, you know, because yeah, I, sure, I, exactly. I talked about dreams a lot in my therapy and very rarely, if ever, <laughs> were they like, you want to have sex with your mom. I mean, it's I would love to see a short though. That, that's just on the side. This is something yeah. Morgan and I do all the time is pitching dumb ideas for scenes. I just like the idea of a guy being a therapist, uh, telling him about a dream. And he goes like, "Hey, you want to fuck your mom?" And he's well, like, "No, I really don't though. I think you do." And yeah. then it's just all the therapists on about. You did at one point maybe. Um, the the thing is, let's go back. Have you read Freud's book on dreams? I have not. Actually. Okay, because very. It's not about. No, how, I know, but people take weird. I know, but things. what I'm saying is like most dreams are actually visual puns is probably the best way to... Yeah, 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 for sure. And he talks a lot about how the dream mechanism is the same one that creates your ability to make humor or wit. Um, for example, you're at dinner with your friends and you say something funny. You, chances are, just because I know you, you weren't like sitting there formulating a joke. It just kind of spills out of you, right? Sometimes. Sometimes right. it's sure. the other version. Sure. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, exactly. But, but you know, sometimes when it's good and it, and, just and it's, happens. it just kind of happens and you're almost surprised by yourself. Like, <laughs> yeah, you're yeah. like, wow, I could almost laugh with that. I, I'm kind of surprised at that weird connection my brain That's made. That's dream. That's a dream. It's the same well, mechanism. That, that makes sense. And I do yeah. recommend to people. Uh, to you know, keep a dream journal, write down your dreams just to remember stuff. But um, there are websites, dreamdictionary.com, stuff like that, where you can actually look up symbolism. And it's interesting because it may not be exactly what's going on, but it definitely gives you an idea. Yeah, of, well, I'm a little hesitant about about going. those types of things too because I think it's really in the context of a lot of it. No, that's why it's it's <laughs> a good kind of thing to like. You know, sometimes if you look it up and you have a dream of, of, of being trapped or running or whatever, you know, and you have these, this is like a list of like, oh, well, you know, this can represent this. Yeah. If one of those strikes true, you're like, oh yeah, you know, that's. Yeah. I had a very interesting dream once where I, I couldn't for the life of me figure out and see my therapist wouldn't tell me what my dream meant. He would just make me repeat it twice. Uh-huh. That was like a thing he did. Not so to go back to CBT being a little more of a conversational thing. Sure. Um, it's kind of funny sometimes because Freudian therapy is that a little bit. Say you'll say something, it just requires a little more of you, I think, because you'll say something, you'll be like, oh yeah, so earlier this happened or whatever. He'll go, oh really? Uh, can you say that again? And you're like, ah, I see why you're asking me to say it twice because you want me to realize this. Right. And then they're like, maybe. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> you know, but- that, I mean, the really? thing is, my, my therapist will do things where, like, you know, it's not like he'll talk for 30 minutes and then I go. Right. Or whatever. It's not yeah, that. No, it's not like course. an even yeah. thing. But it, there is this merit of, like, uh, I'll say, like, I might tell him about a dream. Mm-hmm. And I'll go, like, so what do you think that means? But, like, I don't know. Like, what do you, I mean. What do you it think? It sounds like you're stressed. Mm-hmm. I mean, but he will say at times, like, 
and like, or I'll say the dream and I'll go, so like, yeah, what does that mean to you? I was like, well, I mean, I guess I can see that I'm stressed, but you know, what can that sound to you? I was like, well, yeah, it sounds like you're stressed. And like, you know what I mean? He'll repeat what I said. For sure, yeah. So I think there's elements of it in all things. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, this is my uh, um, podcast. Every podcast I do this. Sorry about the AC turning on everybody. Uh, it's a million goddamn degrees in Los Angeles. Yeah, are you going to introduce me, by the way? No, I do that beforehand. <laughs> that already hit. Like, I okay, do that. Okay, so they know who I am then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm oh, going to say, I, I record an intro and then you come. Fantastic. Yeah, Jesus. Just nervous. I, but, you know, my whole life I'm just trying to be understood. Yeah, fair enough. And I, I, I hear you. I hear you too. Uh, let's get into who you are a little bit, actually. This is around the time we should oh, do Oh, great segue. Uh, well, let's, hey, man, it's all you. Uh, wh- so what do you do? Like, talk to me about your, your comedian? Yep, I'm a, I'm a writer. Writer more. Yeah, I'm a director and a writer. Um, How do you act? I act. Yeah, I perform occasionally. I'm definitely more behind-the-scenes person. I do a lot of um, various things. Right now, I'm head-writing live from Comic-Con, a sci-fi show. Hosted by Will Arnett. I'm actually – yeah, hosted by Will Arnett. I'm actually – I'm a consulting producer. Nice. Um, And uh, and I do that. I'm a consulting producer for the Scream after show on MTV. You do do a lot of stuff with MTV. do a lot of stuff with MTV. I did a series for them. I worked for The Onion for like three years. And, and now all this is is very impressive, but how old are you? I'm 25. Right. So that's crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I mean, that's great, obviously. Sure, but it's sure. one of those things where it's like, holy shit. So yeah. Because I, I feel like a lot of people that are going to be listening to this, um, I mean, if a lot of people listen to this, I don't know who the hell knows, but a lot of people that are going to be listening to this are, well, the target, I should say, is people that are trying to get into the arts or are in the arts and right. they're struggling or have mental health and not sure how to do So. You're 25. Mm-hmm. You have been dealing with mental health stuff since at least the age of 16. Mm-hmm. Um, how? Uh, w- what is it that you uh, talk me through? How you kind of got all this stuff by the age of 25? Like, what have you been doing? What What prompted all this? You've got like a great literary agent too, and you sell mm-hmm. a lot of movie ideas. Like, so what? What led you through this? How'd you get started so young? Um, well, it's funny because you know my parents are kind of asking me that all the time. I grew up in Arizona, kind of middle of nowhere. Right when I turned eighteen, I moved to New York City. Um, took on a ton of student loan debt that's biting me in the ass, like right now, actually. And I can see it. Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> yep, there it is. That's funny, Eli. Thanks, man. You're implying that I there's had a like dream. a that there's like a, a PNC banker biting me. No, 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 no. Yeah, exactly. Um, I was picturing just an amorphous blob of like you know dollar bill signs. Oh sure, yeah, that's fun. Yeah, I like a Scrooge McDuck style sentient like, pile I think of coins. Mine, mine's more like a dream that just yeah sentient. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, actually, there's a banker diving into it right now. <laughs> on a big springboard. Uh, yeah. So anyway, I moved to New York. I didn't know anybody there. Um, the day after I got to New York, I signed up for UCB classes, mm-hmm. or I took my first UCB class. I had already signed up in Arizona. Um, and then I didn't stop with UCB until I finished the program. Um, I did, like, all of them, uh, sketch, yeah, improv, yeah, okay. whatever. Uh, and then I, I was a screenwriting major at School of Visual Arts. At, in New York? Yes. Uh, Is it NYU? It's where you go when you don't get into NYU. Uh, what's the school called? School of Visual oh, Arts. Oh, okay. I thought that, that's usually SVA. what a sub-school of a school is Yeah, called. I was uh, one of six screenwriting majors. Cool. Only non-visual major in the school. <laughs> the visual arts <laughs> yeah. school, yeah. Um, well, you know. Yeah. Screenwriting. For sure. Eventually is visual if you get the money for it. Yeah. Um, and then I kind of, I bugged a bunch of people at UCB, tried to get internships at places, ended up interning at the Huffington Post, wrote a ton of their, like, you know, this is like, 
not that long ago, but still primitive clickbait time, like right, right, when, right. when everything was a slideshow instead of a listicle. Was like seven years ago. Yeah, well, yeah. So it would eight, maybe eight, yeah. Yeah. Um, when everything was like a slideshow instead of a listicle, um, if you can remember that. I, I yes. Yeah. Oh, all the way back. Yeah. And they, their offices were right next door to the Onions offices in Soho. Oh, perfect. And uh, my internship was ending, and I bugged everybody I knew at UCB who I knew was related to the Onion, got an interview as a as an intern, and then totally happenstance, total luck. I thought I was interviewing for the paper. I was interviewing for their IFC show oh, to wow. be the director's assistant. Um, and then I had some experience. I had worked for the Obama campaign in Arizona. So I had like coordinating, you know, just, you know, padded resume and stuff. And, uh, and then the UCB thing, which at the time was not something that everybody had on their resume. Right. Like it wasn't the type of thing. Nowadays UCB is like, if it's not on your resume, it's like you're some sort of fucking savant to get in a room. Yeah. Which ev- is weird, you know. But Everyone's taken one UCB class and they put that on their resume. But back then, there. some genius was like, let's check out the UCB. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, one thing, now this is something I'm curious about, just because to relate to my own experience, and you can tell me if I'm way off here, but mm-hmm. I was the young guy in the comedy scene in Toronto. Mm-hmm. And I remember one time I heard somebody make a comment. Well, it was relayed to me. He mm-hmm. didn't say it around me. I wasn't like in the bushes, but he was like, the thing, you know, uh, he said to my roommate at the time, he was like, you know, Eli will just ask anyone to do anything. And it was like a positive mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. But it was kind of surprising. And I feel like a lot of people get in their head about not asking people things. Yeah. Because they're like, oh, but they, they, I, they put people on a pedestal, you know, mm-hmm. like, oh, well, I don't want to bother the. But most of these people, they're all just dudes. They're all just. I they're mean, normal people. Just peop- and I use dudes in the sense of just people yes I, yeah i have in my language but so like you know w- was it that thing for you where you were the young guy and you may have like known a lot of people but were you asking people who maybe other people were like morgan i can't believe you're asking yeah but them. not in were like not in a not in a way that's not professional oh yeah like that's i think that's the important thing it's important to keep in mind too like i have a lot of anxiety and really bad anxiety but not literally none when it comes to my career yeah, if I, I it, get that. If anything, it started that's the one thing I'm now, good at. Yeah. I, the one thing I've always consistently been okay at is, like, work. Why do you think that is? I think it's a game. It's a game. Walk me through that. It's not as, I don't know, it's high stakes, but I don't view it that way. And therefore, it's easier to so wrap your head why, around. Is, is, I mean, is it because it's fun to you? Like, do you think that's... Like, is that why it's not so high stakes in the sense that you're enjoying yeah. it? Yeah, sure. But I, it's in a, in a weird way, and I don't mean this in an offensive way at all. Uh, real life to me comes very difficult, um, whereas work has always just – I feel like a savant at it. Not that I'm, like, great at it, but all I mean is I'm, I've consistently worked and maintained good relationships with work. I'm using so the, the word savant. savant, yeah. I already use savant. I mean, I don't uh, Yeah, sure. I just... Offense, uh, apologies to any savants listening. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm sure they're very bored by how, ra- how we're rambling. I know, right? <laughs> uh, but, uh, that, what I said was offensive, if anything. Go back to your concertos. Yeah, you're we're too ge- good at piano. We're that's jealous. What a terrible we're, thing to we're say. We're so jealous. Um, um, so anyway... Uh, th- to me, that's just always been the ty- a thing that I've understood. Right, I, of course. And and I feel like uh, I feel similarly. Yeah. I mean, I- I've had anxiety lately, just mm-hmm. because I think the more I learn, the more anxious. I- that's. It's like you know what fucking you remember Heroes? I don't know why I'm yeah, of heroes. course. Remember how like on uh, NBC's Heroes? Yes, NBC Reborn. Uh, do you remember? Uh, okay, so Zachary Quinto's character was a siler, 
Siler, like he kept lear- getting these new skills and new things. I don't know. For me, I feel like the more I, I learn, the more I think about something, the more I get anxious about it. So I was never anxious about my career until I moved out to L.A. and thought about it a lot more because mm-hmm. it was like, I'm here now. Because before it was like a side thing for me. Right. Through school and everything. And then I came here. I was like, well, this is what you're doing. So think. Yeah. But at the same time, um, I understand that feeling. It's not that I'm not thinking about it. It's, it's just it's that just, it's not. It's like you it comes know this is, what I'm do, this is what I'm doing. And this, this is, is what, I, what I need to do. It feels like a weird ladder. Like where you're just sort of like, oh, and then I just make this move. And then that move carries me to here. And then this one. And you know what? Like in the back of my head still, though, there's always the, the fear that it's just going to end. And I think it all comes from a place of fear. Well, it, you know what I think is helpful for you is that you're uh, – you're already working in, in the writing directing field. Yeah. Which means you're always able to make something. Cause I, I like, I'm a writer as well and I have things and ideas and stuff I want to make, but I've made mainly my living off being an actor. I've had some writing gigs, but mainly it's acting. And that's where I get my fear of like, uh, being very careful about where I'm going. Cause I'm like, well that one day as an actor, it could just stop. Someone just well, that's that's exactly what it is. Is is it's a fear of that, and I think the reason I hit the pavement so hard right when I moved to New York. Um, oh, so anyway, at, at the Onion, I, I got hired as an intern as as the assistant to the director. Then I got hired as a segment producer there. Then like a contributing right, writer. Right. Blah blah blah. Moving then line, then the rest yeah. of the career. Um, <laughs> but I think the reason and then I, the career happened and then everything else. But like the reason I I think I hit the pavement so hard was a deep rooted fear of having to move back home to Arizona. I understand that. And feeling. so so it was sort of like I better do whatever the fuck it takes to to do this i had that with la because i was actually going to move to new york Mm -hmm. i had roommates i had a plan i was going to move to new york uh uh in 2012 but what happened was i finished school and my plan was go to new york and my goal was i'm going to go and do ucb and do the whole thing in new york uh but i was you know i'm i'm a dual citizen with canada united states lived in canada my whole life i know i can look look at you yeah man so i can get out when uh hair trump comes in but he will not. Uh, and hey, hair Trump is a funny pun, considering his his hair. I'm dreaming. Anyway, uh, the thing <laughs> yeah, is, there you go. I had this thing where I was like, well, I'm American, and I, I know I can live in New York, and I'll just get a shitty job. But I also part of me was like, I should go to L.A. I should check out L.A. You know, and my whole life I'd wanted to do that, but my agent was always like, "No, stay in Canada. Don't right. everyone I know has gone to L.A. has failed." She was just trying to keep me there, um, which I understand. Uh, but. I was like, fuck it. I'm going to go down. So I went down to L.A. for a week in May of 2012. Uh, and, but I had that idea of, like, if I'm going there, I'm calling everyone I know and a- everyone that I think could have a connection, and I'm setting up as many meetings as possible. Right. And I met a few people, one of whom became my manager. And it was one of those things where I, after a week in L.A., I didn't particularly like it, but I was like, fuck, I got to move here. Yeah. Like, I have to. Just but like, I think – If I want to do what I want to do. And so when I came, though, I, I, I just hit the ground running in the sense of, like, if I'm here – I am here so I can do what I got to do to be here properly. But also to, to go back to you talking to people, mm-hmm. um, you know, on one of my last days at the onion, I was sitting down with Joe Randazzo, who was the editor at the time. And I'll never forget this. Cause I was, I was, it felt like a, just like a great compliment, but I was 18 at the time. And he said, um, uh, how are you so self uh, possessed? Um, and then he was like, I don't mean that in a, and I was like, no, I know what self-possessed, <laughs> you know, like, and I feel like you are that way. Well, like, uh, uh, I'm, I'm going to just own up to it. Yeah. Describe self-possessed. Sure of self. Oh, interesting. And at a young age. Right. Um, yeah, I have no idea where the fuck that, why that, uh, people say that to me. Yeah, you are though. Great. And I Thank feel you. like, I feel like 
I don't know. It's, well, you know what? I, I'll take sure it, of self. I, in the sense that I think I've always known who I am. Yeah. And I know what I'm good at. But I, I think that's – and I think actually a lot of people with depression and anxiety – Are introspective and aware of who they are. It's just a matter of understanding. Like there's a certain um, – how do I put this? This is it, 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 It's getting caught up in one side of that because on the yeah. one hand, being self-possessed can mean – very sure of myself and understanding what I'm good at and what I know I can do and, and, and having confidence. But the thing is, I'm also very sure of all my problems. I know every single issue, which is yeah. you know, no, but that's, a strength. That's honestly why I but love I Freudian therapy so much because right. a lot of it has to do with knowing, labeling, and understanding where they came from and what they are, which I felt like I already had a good kind of head start on. Um, I felt that way going into therapy, too. Just as being who I am. Well, I study a lot of psychology anyway, so yeah. when I went into therapy, I was like, listen, man, I know all the I've reasons. always, yeah. Anytime you know, I've that. ever had an issue, say, with, like, a girlfriend or something, like, say there's been some, it's it's never because I'm one of those, like, brutish people who, like, shuts down and isn't aware of why I'm so angry. You're just being too open with I'm emotion. too, I'm hyper aware of why I'm angry. I'm right. hyper aware of what's going on. And, and aware that it can be ridiculous at times, but you can't Yeah, and, and, and even in the middle of fights and stuff, I've been like, listen, I understand that this is coming from, like, a really weird place because no, it's all I, tied up with this other thing that happened, but that doesn't lessen the, like, you know, blah, 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 where you, you can really I, break I, it down to I yourself, feel, but it does very that. little to change it. Like, I feel like there have been times whenever I've been in arguments, and it's rare. Honestly, I'm not a very uh, – I, I, don't, I don't get into big arguments ever, really, but anymore. Maybe it's because yeah. I just don't see my family as much. Like, But the, my family is the only people I really argue with. I think it's just because I know them really – I'm very close with them. But the thing is, I, I, I feel like – do you ever have that thing where in the middle of an argument with somebody, like a loved one – in the middle of it, you just realize how funny it is. Oh, yeah, constantly. And, but they don't. Like, you're like, I'm trying. You know what? Oh, my God, I'm trying to stop well, this. Well, and I always felt. It's like trying to pump the brakes too late. I'm finally. Or you're in a boat and you hit the brakes, but it takes 15 miles to stop. <laughs> That's what so it is. So it's like, well, well, we're still doing this. I'm finally in a relationship now where I don't fight. Like, we're, I mean, we've we've had like. Tiffs. tiffs but always about something that completely makes sense yeah, <laughs> you know well, it's always been like me fucking up for some reason or like you know just some stupid reason but it's a real fight for a real reason whereas i've been in these relationships before where it is awful and horrible and um and fighting constantly from both sides mm -hmm. and uh and i feel like for me it was always what you were saying about it kind of being funny because it w it always meant less to me that we were fighting because you got it because it came so easy and because I got it and yeah. then to some people I'm not saying that <laughs> this sounds so awful I'm not saying that my exes whoever they may be weren't like emotionally mature but it would be the type of thing it just maybe well, they were maybe were they you? were more emotionally mature than me how and they were letting were it affect them they? Well, a few of my bad relationships, I was like 19 and they were like 28 or 30. And that in and of itself. <laughs> that's a problem. You know? That in and of itself can be a problem. I mean, look, I'm someone that's predominantly dated older women. And yeah. Older women is an older than myself. Not like, I'm not saying they're like, you know, it was dating some grandmothers. Elderly women. Yeah. I'm yeah. Uh, Max Bialystok. No, I, I'm, I, but I, there is a certain, I'm, 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 I'm making a conscious effort to stop that. I think it's, you know, we're both fairly mature people. Mm-hmm. Farts, uh, but uh, <laughs> I don't. Know, yeah, fart, fart. Um, but I think there's this thing of like, even in maturity, while being young, there's still emotional immaturity. For sure. But there's also certain. I I've stopped trying to date older women in the sense that I understand that 
at a certain point, it doesn't make sense. Like, when I was 22 and dating, like, someone 29 or 30, at a certain point, there are different uh, desires there mm-hmm. and different life plans. Like, five years from 22, I'm 27. Five years from 30, they're 35. Those are very different Eight, I think a 27-year-old dating a 35-year-old is fine if, if that's when it begins. Yeah. And I think, and honestly, like whatever, about 22 well, and, and I, 30, but still, you know what I mean? It's just yeah. there's this kind of difference of life statuses and, and places where uh, there is that emotional maturity where, yeah, maybe those things do mean more to them. Well, and I want to— do recognize that. Well, right, because I don't think they're, they were necessarily aware of um, how, even though I was— self-possessed or whatever and kind of knew what was going You're on how 19. how li- yeah how i was still 19 and how little i knew about how to what an appropriate reaction to something was yeah even though i was in consciously going this is not an appropriate reaction to this thing but labeling it doesn't stop you from yelling yeah that You're doesn't like, help i can't legally drink in a bar yet yeah exactly yeah. i mean and so which is absurd to me uh, and this is a side note i mean I, I i'm curious to know what you think of this <laughs> in terms of like how it affects maturity mm-hmm. in canada the legal drinking age is 18 or 19, depending on what province you're in. It's yeah. 19 sure. uh, where I'm from. Yeah. In America, it's 21 everywhere. Right. And I think that there's this weird thing where it stunts maturity in people to a degree because people drink before they're 21. But drinking in a bar is a whole different thing because you kind of have to learn how to behave. You can't just get trashed and vomit as oh. easily. I mean, people do. Yeah. But at 21, you're almost out of college, or you're, you're about to enter the workforce, and that's when you're learning how to drink around people? It's not like get as drunk as you can quietly? Well, I, I just to argue for the puking in a house scenario— <laughs> Please, um, pitch it. I think that's the great American way. No, um, <laughs> I, I think that uh, it's good to put test your limits a little. I mean— I, No, I think it is, too, but yeah. I'm saying I— you know, I, I but I, I, I didn't drink. I'm more. I, I was always mature with drinking because my parents weren't crazy strict about it. Sure. They were the type who had a liquor cabinet, and then when I was like 16 or 17, you know, they they were the parents who were well, like, "We would rather you do it here than go out and drive Which home." Whereas my friends, my high school, fucking eight kids died, like my really? senior year, and half of them drunk driving. Drunk driving, and I honestly think that. If Arizona hadn't been such a crazy militant, like, you know, insanity, you know, cop police state that if these kids had been given the, you know, option option to to call their parents and be like, I'm drunk. Yeah, I mean, as opposed to being scared of their dads for beating the shit out of them or something, they might not have died on their way home. I'll say this. I mean, this is uh, I think it's just high schools everywhere. But I mean, I, I grew up in suburban Toronto. Yeah, it was suburbia. And uh, I had friends who whose parents were, I mean, you know, you never want to judge someone else's parents style, but I think I'm right here. Oh, I do it all the time. Yeah. I think I'm right here in saying that I, I had friends who would get caught with weed. Yeah. Or booze. Mm-hmm. And their parents would kick them out of the fucking house. It's absurd. And it's like, oh, yeah, there's a good idea. Or like they hit 18, it's like, here's 100 bucks, scram. Yeah. It's like, well, I'm sorry. I know that you're raising a moral standard here, but I don't think making your kid homeless is a lesson. No is a good idea. And, and so I think that's the same thing. Um, now I want to get back, bring up Arizona. I want to talk about that. Did you notice um, growing up, so you went, from, I mean, you went from Arizona to New York to L.A. Did you notice a difference in the way people talked about like mental health and stuff? Oh, or at yeah. least about their problems yes. from yeah. Arizona to New York and L.A.? Yes. Um, 
my family, luckily, is very open about mental health. My mom has been on Zoloft, you know, f- since I was a kid, probably. Um, because of you, right? Yeah, it was kind of a nightmare. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and there was never any shame in going to a therapist or anything. I've been in and out of therapy since I was eight years old. Really? Yeah. Why, so why why is that? Okay, if you really want to get into it. I mean, yeah. you know, and this is If shit. you don't mind. No, of course. Um when I was a kid, I was uh, a nightmare. I had multiple temper tantrums. I mean, have you heard that Bo Burnham song, Art is Dead? Uh, yes. Yeah, so it's been a lifelong struggle of mine to not be that type of person, that actor guy. Oh, right, okay. Who's screaming and throwing tantrums and then... About how art is dead and like... No, no the song's about... Um, about uh, um, how actors and oh, people really? in the yeah. industry are rewarded for their worst behavior. Yes, 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 um, yes. Sorry, which is essentially my childhood, you know. And it's hard to talk to my mom and dad about because yeah, I went through blaming. it with therapy. Yeah, but I'm not blaming them. Right, it's but like it's, it sounds. To yeah, them like no, it. I I had a very great upbringing. My parents are lovely people. I have great relationships with them. I talk to them all the time. You, yeah, you want to have sex with your mother? <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, so, you know, th- th- I was really lucky to have them. But like anything, you know, and this is kind of why I like Freud, too. There's nothing you can do to not fuck your kids up. Your kids is going to get fucked oh, up sure. by anything. I could have a car could have honked at me when I was eight. And now I have crippling anxiety about about traffic. I mean, you know, it can be when you're a kid, everything is massive. Everything is the biggest deal in the world. It I doesn't mean, matter yeah, what CK's it is. Louis C.K. has got that joke about... Um about you know the, the you know kid uh, his what was it about the the sun you know and then what and then what it's like well then you know yeah then I don't well, the know sun, no yeah. the sun's gonna explode right it's like the sun's gonna explode and take out the earth yeah no I mean you know but she's like oh my god and she's crying she's like no honey that won't happen until you've been dead you know right for thousands of years like I'm gonna die you know everyone I know is gonna you know he's like now she knows that everyone's gonna die mm-hmm. she's gonna die. And then the sun will explode and it won't matter. She didn't know that. Now she knows that. You know that whole joke? Yes. And it, yeah, just talking about that idea of like what a kid learns and everything you do. It's like, holy shit. Yeah. I mean, even small. The point is small things become massive. Right. There's a great Mark Twain quote. I can't remember, but it's Google it. It's it's <laughs> it's essentially that like, uh, you know, the a kid f- f- tripping is, is as big of a deal to a kid as a king losing his throne. It's the same thing. Right. Exactly. They're, and, uh, and so as a kid, then, so as a kid, then my parents had very inconsistent parenting techniques due to the fact that I was such a nightmare tantrum throwing kid that sometimes I would get grounded. Sometimes everything was fine. I could always manipulate my way out and of what did, what did therapists think of that when you were a kid? Um, that I was just a brat, like that. I was just a temp. <laughs> I was just, and I was, you know, that's, I mean, but, I, I, but the reason, the reason that. I started going to therapy very young yeah. is because I was manipulating my parents in a very like problem child esque way. Uh-huh. Um, so I was probably six or seven years old or something, um, and I was saying "fuck you" to like my mom. And do you ever watch those like Oprahs where the like, kids are nightmares and like sent to behavioral camps? No, that should have been me. Oh, huh. um, although those places are nightmares. But uh, so I would like say like "fuck you" to my mom or something. Then I would go get shut in my room. Then I would just leave my room. I would just be like, what? I'm an autonomous being. <laughs> like this this whole construct 
of being controlled by another person does not vibe with me. So you figured out what kids figure out in their 20s, which is our parents are just people? I re- Yes, exactly. <laughs> it did. It, yeah, at like six five. Is at, yeah. that's, that's too early for that kind of power. Yes. And so I was just aware that like I, w- I would come out and they'd be like, go back to your room. And I'd be like, what are you going to do? Hit me? Like, you know what I mean? Oh, like, damn. Like, what are you going to really do? I, I, I Can we live, all just chill out and watch yeah, cartoons? I want to live my life like how yeah. I want to live it. Whatever. Anyway, that resulted in my parents getting a lock for my bedroom door oh, wow. that was on the outside. Oh, wow. Right? So most of my issues come from this fear of abandonment, even though they were just on the other side of the door. It was oh. just so that I wouldn't leave. But, uh, yeah, but, I mean, and that's something you can't really blame on them because No, you... I was leaving. Yeah. Uh, and so they would be like, just let him, like, you know, he keeps coming out or whatever. And it wasn't they, like they would lock me in there like Ginny the feral kid or anything. But, yeah. but I was being an asshole. Anyway, <laughs> these are tons of pop-ups here. Um uh, I figured out that even though they had a lock on the outside of the door, I could get out if I said I was going to kill myself and had a pair of scissors in there. Okay, so that's a really bad thing. Yes, exactly. And you were seven. Yeah, six or seven. Uh, I mean, which I, is I very say, smart. But here, it's very smart. And <laughs> yeah. I will say that this sounds like sounds really maybe fucked up. But the thing is, I think a lot of kids. It's kid logic. Kid lo- Well, yeah, kids say things without really thinking about the ramifications of yeah the saying. ramifications like, of saying that to me meant gonna... they'll open the door yeah exactly and i yeah. think a lot of kids are capable of that kind of monstrosity mm-hmm. for lack of a, a probably tame term but interesting so um, anyway then i started going to therapy as a kid to talk about and was that. it helpful um did you like did, did it help you or did it fuck with you like what did you think of therapies as, don't as really i young? don't remember it that much um i remember it being a lot of like worksheets and a lot of being like, like i saw psychologists as a kid myself count to 10 you know a lot of like count to 10 and my whole thing was that i didn't like the i didn't like being told what to do sounds like you had an authority problem i did do you still have an authority problem i hate cops <laughs> okay, well, how often are you? Getting, how often are cops telling you to count to ten? No, how often I don't. are you dealing with cops? Yeah, no, I have an authority problem for sure. Um, bosses, same thing. No, bosses it, are but fine. But it's different because you're in a creative field. Is that what yeah, you're yeah, exactly. Well, and I and if I have a boss that I respect, I work really well. Interesting. I love my boss right now. Like, I think she's fantastic, and um, and so I uh, I think I do better work like that if i have to work for someone i don't but i think it's kind of you still do it i still do it yeah because it's a completely different world for me work life and real life the the, the, the divide could not be larger uh so getting back just to the difference between arizona and and new york and la so you were seeing a therapist because you were fortunate enough to have a family that recognized it and also you're you're an asshole so they had to yeah yeah. Um, they were sort of like what am i what what do we do you know i mean you know it's it's interesting it's interesting though the way that manifests but when you move then so having been an oh by the way that's borderline personality disorder what you had then that in a nutshell is what somebody in a borderline personality with borderline personality would do the way it's been explained to me borderline personality is like Things are in absolutes. Either someone's yeah, the best or someone's the worst. It's very cut and dry. But you can also be like, I hate you. I, for example, uh, my therapist gave me a book, you know, on it. Or at the ho- my therapist at the hospital. Well, I'll talk about. The, I want to get into that in a yeah, second. Yeah. Um, gave me a book at the hospital called uh, I Hate You, Love Me. Or something That's like that. Yeah. That's basically borderline personality disorder. Where you're screaming at somebody and you're so mad at them because you can't understand why they don't love you. And and it's it sounds 
difficult no, to but explain, it. but but it's it's not incongruous. It makes so sense. So if you think in that, that was what you were doing as a kid, you yeah. don't see those similarities now as an adult. I do uh, in 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 moments like um in in relationships. Sometimes I it's hard for me to remember is not the right word, but it's hard to emotionally recall where I was even like a year or two ago in these sorts of bad relationships now mm. being in a good one. A good one. It's kind of like, and she, my girlfriend now is kind of noticing that I have like PTSD kind of from them. Like, uh, for example, I'll, we'll be walking or something. And go, oh my God, I'm so sorry about that. And she'd be like, can you, why would I ever get mad at you about something like that? You know? Yeah. Um, and then I'm sort of kind of relearning, like, oh right, like I'm. It's interesting. It's weird. Like I, I'm, I'm, I'm very so, on edge but, all the so time. You, but you don't think you've got borderline now? No, and but I think I think I have elements of it. Like I was saying, it's the joy of cooking of of these books. So it's you pick and choose what ingredients you have. Not everyone has a hundred percent of each Anything. thing. So in my opinion, and I, so I think I've got a weird cocktail of depression sometimes of. Um, anxiety all the times and and then borderline personality disorder when things get really elevated i think i kind of default to a really cut and dry Tell are you checking the time no I'm. are checking. you are, were you looking at how long it's been excuse me <laughs> I, I lifted up my notebook and took a look at it and i'm thought. not wearing a watch <laughs> so how it, yeah i wrote down the time i'm just really good at guessing uh, we do need to start to wrap things up though. Yeah. On that note. No, that's why I know. Yeah, uh, I figured. Uh, as we're as we're getting closer to uh, an hour. Um, oh, is that how long this is? You don't do that whole Pete Holmes thing. Well, how long does he go? Like two, three. No, I don't do that whole Pete. I, like I, I want people to listen to these. Like, you know <laughs> what I, mean? I, I, anytime a podcast longer than an hour, I'm like, fuck. I'm like, it's, yeah. it's hard to listen to a podcast in shifts, unless it's like got episodes or, or oh, chapters. Oh, really? Like See, I, I listen to like. I'll listen to one podcast in the car for like six days. No, but my issue with that is like there's certain like I love Hardcore History by Dan. Yeah, Cullen, sure, that's great. But each episode can be like four hours, and at yeah. a certain point, you if forget I pause, what you were talking about. Yeah, I'm like, what is he talking about? Because yeah. it's so intrinsic. I just have issues with that. Uh, check out that podcast though, if you like those things, it's great. Um, so to wrap things up, I mean, I do want to talk. God, we got ten minutes left, but I do want to talk about. Don't put. Don't, don't worry about the time. I know. Limit. I, yeah, it, it's my thing to worry about. <laughs> I do want to talk about um, the institution. Yeah. Just in one minute or less. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> no, uh, yeah. don't worry about the time. Just uh -huh. uh, so, what prompted that, and what was that like? Like, what, what happened? So I got out. Uh, okay, so um, in New York, I was kind of uh, winding down on a relationship. Um, I was moving out here to, to direct a television show and it was kind of her idea. She was like, we should maybe move to LA. And I was like, great. So I started putting some feelers out, ended up getting this sweet gig was like, great. I'm going to come out here. Her and I were not doing well. We were on our last legs. And because of that, I was feeling really shitty about myself all the time. I was very sad. I didn't have anything going on. Uh, you know, it was bad. And, uh, and I was moving to LA and I was very scared and I was very nervous. And I went um, to a psychiatrist to get put on medication. I thought, you know, this comes up quite a bit. It happens very frequently. Um, and, and I think it's finally time to do something about it instead of just talking. So I went and he was sort of like, what does your mom take? Was, you know? it, was this with, um, uh, uh, in conjunction with your therapist? 
or were you not? Yeah, able to I was in. I was in couples therapy and a therapist and a psychiatrist. Good. That's a good team. It was yeah. It was like, and I have a lawyer. So, um, so uh, takes ten percent. Yeah. So I talked to him about it, and the guy was sort of like, "Well, what does your mom take? Because it's similar to you know, bring that's a good jumping off point. Is if it works for somebody in your family, it might work for you." Interesting. Um, so I got put on like ten milligrams of whatever. Cut forward a little bit. I I've moved, heard good things about whatever. Yeah. So I moved to LA. Uh, everything goes great. I'm having a good time here. I'm fighting with this girl all the time, though. Um, we kind of split. Uh, a little bit of time goes by, um, maybe a few weeks. And then uh, I'm still, like, I'm not, like, suicidal, really. Um, and then I go see, I think it was Ant-Man um, and oh it, at Burbank, at the Burbank AMC. movie theater, AMC. And as I was by myself, I see a lot of movies. Me I see too. Everything I, I love myself. seeing movies by Me myself. too. I love being alone. Uh, and I, uh, and there's the root of the problem. Yeah, no, I think it's a great thing. And, uh, so I get up to the roof of the place and I just decide now would be a great time to just jump off and just end all this. Um, mm. and I was up there for about like six, seven hours. Um, just kind of thinking that this, I was going to do this. Um, and then, uh, this is a really shitty ad for the Burbank AMC. Or Ant-Man. Yeah. <laughs> no, it, it wasn't Ant-Man, Only I swear. Only Edgar Wright had stuck on. It wasn't that good, but it wasn't that bad either. Um, I use humor to break the tension. Oh, yeah. <laughs> My whole life has been spent trying to break the tension. <laughs> well, uh, uh, so seven hours. That's se- a long Seven time. hours. Uh, don't really remember what happened. Checked myself into... So theater. you recognized there was a problem. because I recognized. I was so like, long. I'm not suicidal. And right now, I'll, uh, this is all I want to do. This is really difficult. Um, went to Cedars. Um, Cedar Sinai is a yeah, hospital. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, said I was uh, suicidal. Immediately got a bed, which is that's nice. Isn't that nuts though? Yeah. Like I've been, you know, like my ex used to get the worst stomach pains and stuff, and like. Hold on, sorry. This is really bad timing. Max, hey, Max, Max, Max don't eat that. Get out of there. Sorry, my dog tried to eat. He was like, they're talking about suicide. Good time to try and eat food off the table. <laughs> Smart um, dog. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, anyway, my ex used to get so sick all the time and have this, like, terrible stomach problems. And we used to go to the ER, and then they were, like, six-hour wait, couldn't get a bed. And I was like, oh, you sh- she should have just said she was trying to kill herself and get, get right in. Um, that's so fucked up. I mean, like, in, on the one hand, that's great. It's great. But on the other hand, it's like, oh, that sucks. You feel there's, weird. There's kind of no it's winners. It's like a fast pass at Disneyland. <laughs> so there's you, no winners in that situation. No. So anyway, I go back. yeah, it's not like at the end of it you get to go on Space Mountain. No, I go to a bed, and then, like, a police officer is watching me. Um, and uh, it's like. Which is a great way to end mental health. Keep in mind, it's, this is like country. three in the morning. Um, and I, I'm sitting in the bed. Uh, no one comes to see me basically. Uh, then this doctor comes, he's a therapist. He's a young guy. He was nice. He he was cool. And we were like talking about what was going on. He's the one who was like, I think you have BPD after knowing me for like 10 minutes. Uh, Um, I can see why you're skeptical of that. Yeah. I just, you know, I think, I think I have elements of it for sure. But yeah. Um, so anyway, then I go back to bed and then I wake up like four hours later and, the guy comes back and he goes, hey, um, uh, do you feel good enough to go home? Keep in mind, like, <laughs> it's like 6 in the morning. Light's coming out. I haven't slept really at all. Like, I'm having terrible sleep there. Sure. And I'm like, I don't really necessarily feel, feel good enough to go home, no. Thinking I would just get to stay there for a little bit. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. So then 
Uh, he goes, okay, no problem. Walks out. I wake up. Two guys, uh, two paramedics are there with a stretcher um, that they load me on to. And, um, and then uh, I was sort of like, hey, what? where am I going? And they were like, we're taking you to the uh, behavioral health center or something in like Alhambra. Oh, wow. And I'm like, I've been here like a month. I'm like, where the hell is Alhambra? Uh, and in an ambulance, which is like 10 grand. <laughs> you know what I mean? You have insurance? I, I was like, yeah. But like, I was like, I, I might have to move my car. Do they charge by the mile in an ambulance? I don't know. Yeah. It's like, uh, it was surging too. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, so anyway, uh, I'm like parked on the street or something. I'm like, hey, I need to move, maybe move my car. Keep in mind, I and like, like I, we've heard that one before. Keep in mind, I like just tried to kill myself. I'm like, I'm worried about work next week. I'm worried about trying to park my car. I no longer want to kill yeah, myself. I, like, I got to do laundry, man. And I wasn't yeah. lying. Like, I had serious concerns. So anyway, they roll me into this place, like out of a fucking cartoon. Doors open. Naked woman runs by, screaming, rolling all over the ground. Like you're in one blue over the cougar. Exactly, and and they. It's like seven or eight in the morning now. And I get in and I'm like, I need to see a doctor right now to the lady behind the counter. They take all my clothes and stuff too. I'm like, I need to see a doctor. Uh, they're like, the doctor just left. I'm like, it's, it's eight, eight in, in the, the morning. morning. What time does the doctor get in? And they're like, I, it depends. He doesn't come until tomorrow. So like, is I this go a weekend. Yeah. So this is like Friday morning or something. And uh, so I go back to like my room and there's, like, this guy in there, like, bashing his head up against a wall or something. I go back out. And I'm like, what is going on? Like, am I, I sleep in here? You know, like, what's happening? And then they're like, go to the groups. If you go to the groups, maybe you can leave. So I go to the groups. And the first one is, like, all these people are, like, I can tell I'm in the wrong place. And uh, do the first group. And then these ladies are, like, who were running it, these college students, you know, basically they're like grad students. Right. Um, we're like, Hey Morgan, can you stay real quick? Like, sure. And they go, um, uh, I, so we think you're in the wrong place. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, thank God, you know? So then they moved me into the other unit, which was all like gay teens who've tried to kill themselves. You know, like, That's so close I was enough. like, this is exactly <laughs> close <laughs> enough. This is right where I need to be. Um, and then it was honestly a lot better and I needed it. Good. Um, I'm actually I'm glad to hear that because yeah. there's uh, as this story was going on, I was like, you know, I, I was thinking I'm going to need to clarify to listeners like, don't be afraid to get help just because of this. No, but, I think I mean, these... it did it did help, and that you just need to be open and honest, like with anything else in mental yeah. health. It just sounds like you need to keep your head about you in a sense of going like, I know what's going on. I'll be as honest and as cooperative as I can. And be clear. Yeah. And and it sounds like that worked out for you. So it was helpful being in this group. I will say that those places are run atrociously. They all yes. The, that is the a big mental problem. health facilities in this country. It is so sad to me that there are, and right now they're all there. You know, there's a ton of people there right now. It's good that that place exists, but it's absurd to me that there are 40 people, kids, teenagers. Girl, like anorexic kids, drug addicts. There's no layers or levels to the no. to the ones. They're that are all together, operation. and there's not a fucking doctor there. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, it's five nurses for forty people, and not a goddamn doctor on site. The other thing is like how uh, uh, different the the issues are. 
Oh, like it's, it's one yeah. thing to have a room full of suicidal teens. It's another thing to have a naked woman running around and this and that. And you well, know and it's I mean? homeless like, people too that come for showers and stuff. And like my roommate was this nice homeless man who was very, very kind and a nom vet. And but the, I just can't emphasize enough the lack of doctors at these places. Yeah, no, it's that's absurd. Anyway, it did stop me from wanting to kill myself. They did try to up my dose of Lexapro to 150 milligrams. From 10? From 10. Yeah, um, great idea. Yeah, and then I decided not to do that. And then it's been basically a year of of goodness after that. You know, I needed to so decompress. You, so in other I, ways, in other words, you're saying it was very effective. <laughs> weirdly enough, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that's... Uh, that's incredible to me. I mean, that's that's. I still recommend obviously get back to therapy, uh, and I do want to encourage anybody listening to not be discouraged by this tale. Yeah, I want to do. I do want to emphasize that, like every step of the way through this, someone somewhere, either a friend or a parent or whatever, has come out and been in support. Like they've been supportive. There are people the out there dialogue. who care. And there are people who want to listen, and there are people even at these shitty garbage places. Well, that are there because that they are want there to because exactly they want to help. help you. And 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 I think, I think don't be discouraged. Even though I'm sorry, I just said the no. worst sentence ever, but this is part of it. You know, no, I it's mean, it's I, important I don't to know. Think that is the worst sentence ever when yeah. it comes from someone with understanding. I mean, when it's somebody that understands what's going on, I definitely take those words because that's the problem with the advice that we hate to get. Mm-hmm. from people uh, who don't understand it is actually good advice. It's just, it doesn't mean anything coming from them because they don't understand it. Right. You know, when someone's like, this too shall pass, you'll be okay. Yeah. If they're like some guy that's never dealt with depression, you're like, oh, fuck off. Yeah. But if it comes from you or comes from me, it's like, yeah, I know, fuck. Well, it's fuck. like, it may pass, it may come back, it may pass again. But but there's always a new Star Wars movie coming out. Yeah, that's the, the Every joke. Every year. The joke I've made about <laughs> about suicide is the joke I've made about suicide. No, but the joke I've, I've always said, because, you know, I did struggle. I don't talk about this a lot. This, this actually might be the first time I say this publicly, but, you know, uh, one thing I regularly think is kill yourself. Like, it's a sentence mm-hmm. that repeats on a loop. I don't want to do that. And I, ne- mark my words, never will. And But it fucked with me for a long time. Why am I thinking this? I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. And it, I, I came to the conclusion that, and you know, through talking to my therapist, that, you know, other things I say are like, hate yourself, you idiot, whatever. Like, you know, normal shit. But I realize that part of my depression is self-deprecation. Yeah. It manifests in self-deprecation. So what's ultimately more self-deprecating than wanting to kill yourself? Sure, yeah. So I never wanted to. <laughs> like, a, yeah. I never wanted to, but that's the ultimate, like, It's fuck. anti-self. It's the ultimate fuck you to yourself. Yeah. And that's how I'm okay with it now. I mean, it's still fucking annoying. Right. But it's there. But the joke I always make is like, uh, you know, every time I think about, like, I want to kill myself, I'm like... Yeah, but there's still like 10 more years of Marvel movies I want to see. I really want to see oh, what happens man. with Thanos. <laughs> if they keep being this you bad, know, you like, might oh, as I've... well kill yourself. Hey, man, look, I uh, <laughs> I love that shit. But then the other thing is like also like, and then every time I think about it, I'm like, yeah, but I really got, I got laundry. Yeah. You know, like it always comes, it's like you said, like I kind of moved my car. You know, it's those weird things you think about. Anyway, but I, 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 and then I do want to start to wrap up. Um, I got a few quick questions for you. Sure. Uh, what what what's the best advice you've ever received on how to deal with this stuff? And, and even if you can, like obviously, if you got an answer to that, answer that. But also, best advice in terms of how to deal with this stuff and how to deal with this stuff within your work. And Talk. 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 I think that's it. I think, I think if you can't afford therapy, tons of people can't afford therapy. But I think if you have a friend or there's someone who you know, like if there's someone 
you can talk to, then talk. And listen. To and them. listen. And I think that if you, I think you'd be very surprised how how many people feel like you do. Yeah, that is, and I can tell you Not that this, that necessarily helps a ton, but mm-hmm. it could, I mean, but. Well, I can tell you, doing this podcast, talking to all these people, I, every day I think less and less we're snowflakes. Yeah. And it's. It's incredibly... You're weirder if you're not fucked up somehow. Well, I don't know about that, but <laughs> I'll say this. It's just incredible how like people with the same conditions, they manifest in similar ways. Even me talking about like hate yourself, all that stuff, and the kill yourself stuff. Yeah. You looked at me like, yeah, yeah, no, I know. I like, get you, know, it. you get it. It's, yeah. And that's the thing. is like The more you talk to people, the more you realize that we're all... It's all chemicals to a degree, and it all manifests itself in similar ways. Yeah. Uh, what's the worst advice you think you've ever received on this stuff? Oh, um... Like, suck it up. Yeah. Or, like, man up about it, you know? Yeah, thanks. It, thanks, uncle. Like, yeah. And it I mean, like and, like, friends, too. Advice. Like, Yeah, exactly. Uh, no, my uncle's never lots said of, that to Lots me, of, like, kids from high school and stuff. Like, I, you know, a couple of my friends have been given that advice. And then it sucks because then they come to you to, to talk about their problems or something. And, and it's, like, you almost have to, like... Say no, it's you okay. gotta be like, no, no it's like you're, you're manning up by talking about it. Ernest Hemingway, biggest man of all time, still, you know, he was like 10 foot seven. Yeah, if manning up means just blow your head off, don't man up. Like, that's yeah. you know, it, manning up is is doing the brave thing and and talking to people. And, and like, it isn't even that brave, you know, I mean, no, like, it's, t- yeah. it, it, it's necessary. That, that's yeah. that's that's good. Um, do you think so? I mean, you already kind of answered this. Do you think all artists are crazy in some capacity? I think everyone's crazy in some capacity. All right. But like specifically, in the, I think, like I was saying earlier, I think this industry specifically rewards the worst parts of people. Can, yeah. It can. Celebrity can, for Celebrity sure. Celebrity can, yeah. Um, <laughs> so, so I think people who are assholes tend to be better at it. It's weird. Well, I don't know if they're better at it, but they definitely get more attention. Yeah, for there it. you go. Uh, what advice do you have to other people that want to get into this kind of field who also might be struggling? Um make stuff i think like the best thing you can do is to make stuff i didn't really get into it but when the onion left it was like i didn't know what i was gonna they moved to chicago i was like i don't know what i'm gonna do and i made a web series i kickstarted a web series and it's like my parents don't have money or anything like i didn't get a ton of money from anybody i got money from strangers to make i got 10 grand astoundingly to, and I made ten. and even but even if you don't have money, like I still try and make things. Still trying to make things. You gave, you, but try Kickstarter, phones, whatever yeah. you can do something. And then and and I made fifteen episodes of a thing, and through that I got agents and manager and everything. If I hadn't gone out and like made something, the real part of my career wouldn't have happened. So, but how how do you get? Pa- I mean, for you, it seems like you know work was obviously you yeah. said not not much of a anxiety thing, but. Mm-hmm. Did you still have to push through any of that? Well, yeah, and I think to I th- do that, I think though, if you can find something that you can do, and you're, and, you know, it's difficult when you're critical of of yourself, you know, and you put yourself down, and you're, you know, you write something and then feel like, oh, this is garbage. Um, but I think show it to somebody else. Show it to somebody else. It, it goes into the talking thing. Yeah, if the general yeah. consensus is garbage, then that's a whole different thing. Yeah, but like I think you'd be surprised how talented you really are sometimes. I will say though, uh, with, with the idea, of, I agree with that. With, with the idea of sending it and showing it to other people, one big thing I know from a lot of people that I've met is uh, learn to take criticism well. Like understand all criticism is just someone else's thoughts, and even if you disagree with it figure out why they're saying it and how that can work for you. Because if somebody's seeing something a way you don't want them to, even if they're seeing it wrong in your eyes, figure out how you can make it more clear 
that you want it to be seen in your way. That's a big thing I think a lot of people in writing and all arts have. They're not able to take criticism very well, especially when you are so down on yourself. Yeah. I think that's that's an important thing. Uh, what do you think we as a society can do to fix the way this is all dealt with? Um, I think that we need to uh, elect and support candidates who <laughs> believe in in mental health, uh, y- you know, projects. I think. Yeah. I think, you know, Reagan botched a lot of this he really did and uh and a guy I, was in a bunch of hardcore bands yesterday and i brought up reagan he was like dude i was in the punk scene i know about reagan yeah i know, every, I know more about reagan he's canadian he's like i know yeah. more about reagan than i mean anybody. all the i mean never mind but like <laughs> i think i think that that's a big deal i know that like after i left the facility i was in i drove back over and dropped off like a carton of cigarettes and like books and like puzzles. Nice. I don't know if you watched Maria Bamford on Gethard's show talking about how those places are so much more depressing than they need to be. Why is every puzzle only half, like they're all missing half <laughs> the pieces, you know? I just think stuff like that can help. Um, Great. I think being open about it. I think like, I think uh, my friend Jenny has this project called Project You Are Okay or You Rock. And it's, it's all kind of normal people and celebrities just openly admitting that they struggle with mental health That's uh, great. I issues. And I think making it not a stigma is probably the biggest thing we can that's do. All, it all comes down to talk and listen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, Morgan, thanks so much for coming here. Thank and you. about all this. Um, yeah, you know, we went over an hour, but uh, <laughs> if anyone's like, well, it's an hour, I'm out. They can go fuck themselves. Uh, thank <laughs> you for listening. How can people find you online? Uh, then go to totallymorgan.com. Okay, any Twitter? Totally want? Morgan. And any Instagram? Totally Morgan. All right, so that's <laughs> so you're saying your web presence is totally, totally Morgan. Yep, Snapchat. Didn't totally get Morgan. it. Didn't D- get didn't it. Didn't that's, get a it. Si- that's a 16-year-old girl. I, I have Snapchat. All right, thanks very much, Morgan. All right, there you have it. That's Morgan Evans. My thanks to him for being my guest today. I really, really, really liked this episode, and I really felt good about it when we recorded it because I feel like we really covered a lot of important stuff and stuff I certainly didn't really uh, know about uh, with regards to, you know, institutions and the like. And I, 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 I don't know. I think it's fascinating. Again, I always encourage everyone to seek help and um, – uh, uh, not be deterred by stories like this, but it is important to know this stuff. Um, so follow Morgan, all the websites, all the things, totally Morgan. Uh, you can follow us, uh, me, I don't know who us, I guess me and Jesse, the sound editor, whatever. Point is, follow us on Facebook, it's all in your head podcast. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter, at all in your head pod. Instagram, it's all in your head podcast. I still don't know why I have Instagram. I still don't know why. But that's where photo, you can see a picture of Morgan Evans' beautiful face there. Uh, email, it's all in your head podcast at gmail.com. Any comments, concerns, questions, thoughts, whatever, please let me know. And uh, I'm Eli Henry. You can find me on the internet as well. I mean, it's all through the everything. Uh, that's it for this week. Next week on the podcast, we've got my friend Hunter Altman. Hunter, uh, sorry, Hunter M. Altman. He's very specific about that. Hunter M. Altman is bonkers, and I love him. And bonkers in the most affectionate way possible. He he is uh, the first to tell you that he will do anything in comedy, and 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 it's a very very fascinating episode and very funny. He's a very smart guy. I think you'll enjoy it. So thank you for listening. We will see you next week, and uh, just you know, all right. <laughs>
It's all in your head